Welcome to the Kanoi Church Podcast. We're glad that you're interested in connecting through this teaching time. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy this teaching from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, good morning. Glad to have you with us this morning and a happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. We're so thankful for you. There are so many things that you have done for us in so many ways that we could possibly never describe everything that we're thankful for. But if you're a mother, thank you so much for the way that you have taken care, the way that you've taught, the way that you've loved, the way that you have sacrificed so much in so many ways. We, uh, we're continuing in our series today on partnership, and so we are in our second week in the book of Acts, three weeks in the series total, and we are talking about partnership and the importance of partnership. And one of the things that we see in the book of Acts is uh, distinctly, there's just so many examples of partnership as the church begins, as Jesus's message is sent around the world uh, for the first time. And, and we want to just take some time to focus in on some of those messages. So here's the way the series works, in case this is your first time joining us. What we're doing is we are uh, partnering with the Bible Project, which is an incredible resource. And we want to encourage you to check out that resource. If you've never done that, go to thebibleproject.com. Uh, you can actually financially support them if you choose. But you can also check out a number of amazing videos on different themes, uh, sometimes word studies, sometimes people or stories from the Bible. So we're going to let the Bible Project actually give us the overview, kind of this high-level view of the chapters in Acts that we're talking about on any given week. And then myself, or in a couple weeks, Scott Boyer, is going to take a moment and focus in on a particular part of the passages that we're, we're learning about that week. Let's let the Bible Project give us the overview. Please go to thebibleproject.com and watch the Acts 8 through 12 video. Due to copyright purposes, we will not be showing that here. All right, the Bible Project has given us kind of a big picture view on what these chapters are about. And I'm gonna take us and zoom in on a couple of things. And the first thing we're gonna zoom in on this morning is more of our negative example of partnership. After Stephen is killed, uh, he's stoned to death, people get scared and they leave Jerusalem. And in leaving Jerusalem, they begin to take the message of Jesus across the world. And one of the places they take it is Samaria. Now, you might remember that the Samaritans and the Jews don't get along. And there's good reason for this, uh, as good a reason as there can be. They disagree on a number of things. They have a long history of not getting along. But the Jews kind of ostracized, pushed away the Samaritans. And uh, they were not welcome to be a part of this Jewish religion. So now you have sort of this new religion. And, and they're calling it the way. And they're talking about the way of Jesus. And uh, there's, so there's this new religion. They go to Samaria and suddenly the Samaritans who had been rejected and told that they couldn't be a part of 
uh, of this of the religions in Jerusalem, um, they're welcome. I mean, so the door is open to, to you and I for this reason too. You know, the, the cool thing is that God's people, the chosen people, were the Jews. But through Jesus, through the new covenant, through his sacrifice, his resurrection, through his blood, um, the door was open to include quite a bit more than just the Jews. And so now, more than that, the Samaritans are included. Uh, they're welcomed. They're introduced. There are Gentiles, uh, people who are not Jews. Uh, there's, there's Greeks. Uh, we see in these passages a story about Cornelius, who's a Roman officer, and, uh, and his family become believers, and they're introduced. And you and I, today, the only reason that we can be a part of God's plan is because the door was opened for us as well. And so when the message is taken to Samaria, one of the people they meet there is a guy named Simon, and he's a sorcerer. And he is, I mean, people, they are scared of him. They respect him. He is well known. They kind of think of him as a god, quite honestly, because he's this magician. He has these powers. He can do these incredible feats. Well, he hears the message, the gospel. He hears the good news about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And he wants to be a part of it. He he chooses to be baptized. Okay, this is great. And this probably would have been an especially impressive feat to all of the other Samaritans that a person like Simon was even welcomed in. And the door was open, not just to Samaritans, but also the sorcerer, okay? This sorcerer is, is willing to repent and listen to what they're preaching, and then he can be a part of this new way. So one of the things, one of the themes that we would be silly not to mention in Acts, especially the beginning of Acts, is, is an openness. It's, a, it's an open door. It's a welcoming spirit to all of those who had been previously rejected. And so um, think about who Jesus often spoke about when he was here on earth. He spoke about the people who, who had nothing, who were weak, who, um, who were uneducated, who were poor, those are the people that he often focused on. And he had some of the harshest words for the people who were rich or powerful. And in fact, our last series, we talked about laying aside our power, right? So Jesus opens the door to people who had been rejected. And then after Jesus ascends to heaven and the apostles take the message into the ends of the earth, the door is opened even wider to people that no one thought could ever be a part of these things. So Simon says he wants to be a part of it. He chooses to be baptized. Now, there's such a movement happening in Samaria that when the apostles who are still in Jerusalem hear about it, they need to send people to check and see if this thing is real. Are these people really converting? Are they really followers of the way? They want to do their due diligence. And so when they show up, they realized that these people have accepted the message wholeheartedly, but that the Holy Spirit hadn't descended on them yet. So they lay hands on them. And, and Simon the sorcerer is watching all this happen. And he sees the Spirit descend on these people. And, you know, the scripture doesn't exactly tell us what does that mean. Do they speak in tongues? Were there miracles happening? Um, were like uh, the day of Pentecost were people speaking all kinds of languages so that everybody could hear what, what does it mean that the spirit suddenly we don't know we don't know 
Suffice it to say, something happened. So when the spirit came down upon these new believers, Simon saw what was happening and he's like, whoa, I want that. Oh, I want that power. And so we have to, to realize that as powerful as Simon was, as well-respected as he was, as much as people feared him because of the feats that he could do, because of the power that he had, this powerful magician sees what the Holy Spirit can do. And he's like, I got to have that. I got to have that kind of power. And so he wants it. And so he goes to the apostles, Peter in particular, and he offers to pay Peter to receive the Holy Spirit. He offers to pay Peter for the gift of the Holy Spirit so that he could do what these other folks are doing. And Peter, he won't have any of it. He is so upset. He is beside himself. He's frustrated. He says that Simon's heart is all wrong and that Simon should go back and he should pray because his heart is full of bitterness. His heart is, is, is not full of Jesus. He should pray that these terrible things don't happen to him. And so what does Simon say? Now he responds and says, well, how about you pray for me? That way none of these things happens to me. And that's where the story of Simon the sorcerer ends. We don't really know much more about it. We can look at history, church history. And uh, in church history, there's this guy that shows up, a powerful magician whose name is Simon Magus. And it might be the same guy. We don't know. No one knows. So you have in Acts a guy named Simon, and you have in history books a guy named Simon Magus. Both are magicians, both are sorcerers, both have some kind of power. It's possible that Simon the sorcerer in Acts rejected what the apostles were offering him. He did not go back and pray. He did not get his heart right. He did not really accept who, who Jesus was. He did not become a follower of the way. It's possible that that Simon actually goes on to become Simon Magus. Uh, and again, very feared, uh, incredibly powerful sorcerer of some kind. But we don't know that for sure. It's also possible that Simon went on to get his heart right. And this Simon in Acts is not the same as the historical Simon Magus. We're not sure. But here's what I want to talk about in terms of partnership. Here's where things get a little bit tricky. There are always going to be people who are interested in partnership. They're interested in, in working with you because it benefits them. And that's something that we want to pay attention to, we want to be aware of, because that is, that's a wrong heart. That's a wrong reason to pursue partnership. So for Simon, he wants to partner with them. He wants to be a part of this thing. He wants the Holy Spirit because he sees it. There's power in this thing. I want the power. I want the ability. I want the, whatever the spirit is doing when these people are receiving the spirit, Simon wants that. And so um, there's always going to be people who see partnership as a shortcut to obtaining power, as a shortcut to benefiting them. And from me to you, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as followers of the way, we want to be people who partner because it's the right thing to do, not because it benefits us in some way. Bruxy Cavey is a pastor. I've quoted him many times before. He was also a professor of mine in seminary. I just have a lot of respect for him. And um, he talks about how on social media, on Twitter especially, there are folks who will ask him a question. And he never knows 
are these people trying to start a fight with him? Are they trying to battle with him? Are they trying to bait him into something? Or do they legitimately want to learn something? So what he will often do is that he will think about their question, have a good answer for them, but then he'll suggest to them, hey, here's some reading that you could do. Uh, there's a book, an article. Uh, here's something that I wrote. If you could read this, then I would love to talk with you. Or maybe he will say, oh, we've done a series on that already. And he said 80% of the time, the people won't do the work. They're not interested in it. They just want the quick fix. They want the, the quick answer. So we want to check our hearts. I guess that's the first thing. The biggest obstacle to partnership is going to be our hearts. Is your heart in the right place when you're looking to build a team, create a team, partner with other people? Are you looking to do it because it's advantageous for you, because you're gonna get something out of it? Are there shortcuts that you're trying to take? Like check your heart, because your heart is often going to be the biggest obstacle. Let's talk about Philip and the eunuch. So there's this story in our, our, our scripture selection this morning about Philip. And he hears a prompting of the spirit to go stand in a certain place. And when he listens to the spirit, he, what he does is he has an encounter with an Ethiopian eunuch. Somebody coming out of Africa, who's actually a high ranking official in the government, would have the ear of the, the king. He's, he's reading a, a scroll from Isaiah and he doesn't know what it means. And Philip, listening to the spirit, stands in the right place at the right time in order to interpret what the scroll in Isaiah means. And what happens is after he tells the Ethiopian eunuch who Isaiah is talking about, what's this prophecy about? It's about Jesus. Jesus is the suffering servant. The Ethiopian eunuch immediately wants to be baptized. Like he's all in. And so here's, here's something really cool to consider. When we think about partnership, especially when we look at the book of Acts, one of the biggest partnerships that happens consistently is the spirit partnering with these disciples and apostles as they spread the word all around. So are you listening to the spirit? When the spirit prompts you, to call that person, to have coffee with that person, to say hi to that person? Are you open to hearing when the spirit prompts? Because this wouldn't have happened if Philip wasn't open to hearing the spirit telling him, hey, go stand in that place. Hey, go talk to that guy. The baptism wouldn't have happened. The interpretation wouldn't have happened. And guess what happens now? That Ethiopian eunuch is going to return home to Africa who has the ear of royalty, he's gonna share what was just shared with him. So that faith becomes, it starts to spread. It's like when you plant a seed and then the plant grows and it drops seeds and it plants more plants, right? That happens because Philip is willing to listen. All right, now, last story of partnership this morning from our, our selection of scripture. I want to talk a little bit about Paul. Now, we don't know him as Paul yet. We don't find out that he's Paul until chapter 13. So that'll be next week. What Right now, we know that there's a guy named Saul who's a Pharisee. And this guy named Saul, we 
meet we met him last time when Stephen's being stoned. All right, so Stephen gave this very powerful testimony, very powerful sermon, and the people gather around him and they hit him with rocks until he dies. And who's there in the background? A man named Saul, a Pharisee named Saul, and he's approving of the whole thing. Well, this same Saul, after the apostles spread, after the disciples spread out, after the persecution begins in Jerusalem, this Saul decides to go to the elders and he gets special letters, special permission to go and round up all of the Christians, all of these followers of the way. And what he's going to do is going to bring them back in chains, put them in prison, bring them back to Jerusalem to be executed or tortured or disciplined at the very least. And, uh, and what we find out from church history is that in the midst of all of this, um, Saul actually, people are dying, okay? Um, if we want to be really honest about Saul, he's not a good guy. Uh, and, and you can kind of understand this, though. Uh, the Bible Project video does a good job of explaining why Saul might feel the way he felt. He would have felt like this Jesus worship was idolatry. He was trying to protect um, the Jewish faith and culture and customs. And so we get it. That doesn't change the fact that he did some pretty atrocious stuff to people who were, who were following Jesus. Um, so he gets these special letters. And... He's heading out to, to herd up all these Christians, these followers of the way, and he has this incredible encounter with Jesus himself where a blinding light shows up and it knocks him from his donkey. He's laying on the ground. He hears Jesus' voice saying, who are you persecuting? Why are you doing this? And, and suddenly Saul is like, believer like how could he not believe like he hears the voice the people that are around him hear the voice as well they just don't see the light Saul's blinded and what do they do is they take him to a nearby town and they they leave him there and and here's here's where the story gets amazing if it's not already amazing enough right like there's a, a voice of Jesus a blinding light a guy is now blind he believes but he's blind he doesn't know what to do here's where it gets crazy there's a guy in this town named Ananias. And Ananias, uh, he hears God tell him, I want you to go over to uh, Straight Street. Kind of love that uh, the Bible includes a street name in there, right? Like, oh, you can go find this place. And uh, go over to Straight Street and in the house, specific house, uh, I think it's the house of Judas maybe, uh, I want you to find a man named Saul of Tarsus. And, and so Ananias goes to Straight Street and he's having this conversation with God. He's like, um, God, I've, I've heard about Saul. Uh, I know who he is. And it, I've not heard good things. You know, he's, he's killing us. Are you really sure that this is who you want me to go put my time, my energy into? This is where you want me to actually... Like, this is not safe for me. I'm giving up my safety for you, God, if I go to meet Saul of Tarsus. Like, I'll probably die. He'll probably, he'll probably arrest me. I'll probably be taken back to Jerusalem. I'll probably be stoned. This is what you want me to do? Really? And, and God's like, yeah, because this is who I've chosen to take my message to the Gentiles. It would have been the person that was least suspected. If you and I are Christians. I want you just to consider in your head, I don't, you don't have to say this out loud because it's actually probably better you don't. Um, 
Think of someone who you can't imagine following Jesus, loving Jesus, teaching about Jesus. Think about maybe it's a celebrity um, and you've just, you've heard their lifestyle. You've heard a thing they've said. You've heard maybe the albums they've put out. You just cannot believe that this person could ever speak about Jesus or be serious about their faith. Jesus is like, yeah, I chose that person to share my message. And there's a reason. That's the way it was for Saul. There's a reason. You know, I kind of think about Kanye West a little bit as I read this passage. It's hard not to now. You know, Kanye West is a rap star, uh, and he has led a very interesting life. And some of what he has said he believes and some of what he has uh, said life is about, uh, you know, I wouldn't agree with. But in the last six months, he's had this incredible repentance. He's come out with an album called Jesus is King. He's been holding revival services, not right now because of the virus, but before that, where hundreds and hundreds of people were coming to know Jesus for the very first time. You know, for a lot of people, Kanye would have been the person they least expected to follow Jesus, to turn their life around. For Jesus to say, yeah, this is who I've chosen to carry my word to a bunch of people that wouldn't hear it otherwise. And you know what Christian culture did to him? They didn't trust him. They questioned whether it was real. They didn't believe him. Well, Saul goes through sort of the same thing. So let's go back to our story. Ananias gets word from God. Yes, go to this place, Straight Street, the house of Judas, and uh, you'll find Saul there. And so we're going to pick it up here in uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 17. It says this, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. God calls Ananias to go to Saul. And when does Saul see again? Saul sees again when Ananias takes his hands and lays his hands on Saul. There's a willing human partner to go and do the will of God. And then there's a healing. The scales fall from Saul's eyes. He's restored. He's healed. And he spends a number of days here with the believers. And this is where, again, the believers don't trust him. They second guess his motives. They second guess the reality of his conversion. But after a few days of seeing these believers, of spending time with them, of listening to them, of thinking through everything he saw, Saul began to preach, powerfully preach about God and about Jesus and about what he had been told. He began, I mean, he flip-flopped completely from being the guy who was persecuting followers of the way to essentially becoming the most prominent figure in, in Christian history, other than Jesus himself. Paul will go on after this experience to write most of the New Testament. Most of the letters that we have, the epistles in the New Testament, they're written by Paul. Um, Paul is a huge, massive figure, and we owe a lot of what we understand about God to him, but it all starts 
back here with a willing human partner to lay his hands on Saul, to heal him, let the scales fall from his eyes. I have to ask the question again, are you willing to listen to the prompting of the Spirit? Who is the Spirit calling you to? So we're going to start moving towards a wrap-up here. Think about the last time you went on a walk or a hike, like the Conewago Trail, where probably a lot of us go on walks. Um, It has these little tiny stones, and I don't know about you, but somehow those stones find a way to work themselves into my shoe, right? And it's so frustrating, drives you crazy. It's in there, it's bothering you, it's agitating you, and you have to make the decision, all right, can I put up with it? Do I gotta stop, dump my shoe out? What do I gotta do with this, this oh, gall darn stone stuck in my shoe? The Word of God is a lot like that. Why are we called to partner with each other? Why do we see so much partnership through Acts? Why do we see God choosing to spread his word, his message, his good news, his gospel through the form of partnership? Because when we partner together, when we love each other well, when we rejoice together, when we mourn together, when we lift each other up, when we encourage each other, when we support one another, what we end up doing is planting seeds, which is why I've been wandering around this farm field for this whole sermon. I'm not lost. I'm here because the word of God is spread through seeds. And sometimes those seeds can be like a a stone in your shoe that drives you nuts until you do something about it. And you know what? You may never see when somebody finally decides to engage you, that seed you dropped. You may never get to see when that person finally decides to engage it. It's driven them nuts for so long that they're gonna dump their shoe out and do something about it. It's like planting seeds. Like I mentioned earlier, when you plant a plant that then drops seeds and plants more plants on its own, on its own, the word of God is spread this way. It's spread through partnership. You know, an oyster makes a pearl when a foreign body, a grain of sand, gets into the clamshell and it begins to cover, you know, it bothers it, it agitates it, and it begins to cover it with something called mother of pearl. And it covers it layer after layer after layer until a pearl is formed. A pearl is something that we see as beautiful. It's something that we see as having great value. That's why Jesus tells the parable of the pearl of great value, because it's something that we can relate to. The word of God is spread through partnership. When we partner together, rather than see each other as competition, when we choose to partner with the Holy Spirit and listen to the Spirit's prompting, it's like that grain of sand in the, in the, uh, in the clam. It's like the stone in your shoe. It's a little uncomfortable. It can be hard, but we gotta do something about it. It's hard to be introduced to the gospel and there not to be any response at all. There's always a response. Sometimes it's not a positive response. Sometimes we take our shoe off, we dump the stone out, we keep going and we hope we never find that stone again. Sometimes that foreign body is formed into an incredibly beautiful pearl. But it only happens 
we choose to listen to the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God prompts us to have that conversation or talk to that person, to, to stop in and say hi, to make that phone call, to share that good news, it's not something that we can ignore. It's something that we need to listen to and act on. So a seed was planted in Samaria with a man named Simon, who was a magician or a sorcerer. And there's a chance that that Simon went on to become Simon Magus. It's a chance that that never developed into a pearl. That Simon only saw that as something uncomfortable, like a stone in a shoe. But Philip talked, talked to an Ethiopian eunuch and something was planted there. And that eunuch then takes the message that he heard, the practice of baptism, back to Africa to share it with other people. That's a seed that was planted, that grew into something that planted more seeds. Ananias goes to Paul, Saul at the time, and Saul's healed. And Saul converts to being a follower of the way, no longer the great persecutor of the way, but now a follower of the way. And Paul will go on to plant more seeds than you and I can ever imagine. So at the end of the day, or the end of this message, we are forced to consider, are we people who are in a place with our hearts, with our minds, with our bodies, where we are willing to partner when the Spirit calls us to partner? More is caught than taught. So we're all planting seeds. What kind of seeds are you planting? Are they seeds that you can be proud of? Are they seeds that, that look like Jesus? Are they seeds of the gospel? Are they good news? Or are they not? Once you answer that question, what kind of seeds are you planting? The next one has to be, where are you planting them? With whom? Are you being intentional with those seeds? Let's say that you are living in such a way that shares the gospel and shares the good news. Are those seeds being planted in a place that is fertile ground or are you just scattering them where they're never gonna take root? Because we're called to be intentional. If God wants to partner with us, then he absolutely has a good and wonderful plan for that partnering. How are you choosing to partner with God? Let's pray. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together. Thank you.